Well, we are moving into our year of discipling Alive 2014. And we're looking this morning at the subject, Growing in Christ. And I've given it the title, No Stagnation. Just to clarify, this is not a... We're not doing a, a course during the year. We're, we're not doing a some form of study through the year. But it's all about us living out our life in Christ over this year and beyond. And, and that is the, the aim that the elders had when things, you know, praying through and, and seeing that this is the way forward. And I was actually saying in the elders' prayer meeting this morning, I'm actually quite upbeat about the life of the church at the moment. There seems to be a good feel about it. Seemed to be a good feel when I was looking from down there up here earlier on and you were all huddling together, nice and friendly. <laughs> but that's where we are and that's where we're going today. So I just want to focus a bit on this particular subject, growing in Christ. An atheistic philosophy professor, and that's not easy to stay at the start of a sermon. Atheistic philosophy professor once asked his class, has anyone seen God? Well, the students all shook their heads, no. Has anyone touched God? Well, students shook their heads again. Is there any direct evidence that God exists? No, they shook their heads again. Therefore, he said, God must not exist. Well, then one of his students stood up and replied. He said, has anyone seen the professor's brain? <laughs> has anyone touched the professor's brain? Is there any direct evidence that the professor, that the professor's brain exists? <laughs> Therefore, the professor's brain must not exist. Don't know whether the story is true, but perhaps it ought to be. And the student in that story had an answer to the professor's sloppy thinking. And in our Christian life, we need to be sure our thinking is clear and not sloppy. We need to be ready to answer questions and statements with knowledge and understanding. When you look through the New Testament letters, you see that both Paul and Peter spent a lot of time building up their readers, building up their faith, so that they would avoid false teachers. Well, our main aim, as I said, in Alive 2014 is for us to learn more and grow together in order that we, as a fellowship, grow stronger. Last week, Maria Granger encouraged us to abide in Christ. I bet you went home and said, I can't remember the last time we sang Abide With Me in our morning worship. So these people who come from young, charismatic churches are not all new songs by any means. Now this week we're looking at how we can grow in Christ with the help of both Saul and Peter. Now when you're preaching on Saul or Paul, it's always difficult to know what to call him, particularly if you're looking at his earlier life. So I'm going to use the word Saul, if I get it right, all the way through. But we need to realise that Saul was also called Paul. Well, there's plenty of water, isn't there, flowing in the rivers and streams at present. 
They're alive and fresh with water entering the system every minute. The more water, the more activity. But when there's no movement, no flow, especially in small streams, well, the pools and the water stagnates. Looks horrible. Doesn't actually smell too good either. So if we're not alive, moving and active, well, we'll stagnate. And if you and I stagnate, well, the church here in Linfield stagnates as well. In our reading in Peter, 2 Peter 1.5, Peter starts off, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. He then goes on to say, make every effort to add to your faith. And then he lists off a few things, and I'll look at those a little bit later. Because I want us to look mainly this morning at the Acts reading, Acts chapter 9. Where we see Saul in the early period of his Christian life. Saul had repented his former way of life, of living, and had put his trust in Jesus. He'd been forgiven of all his sins and had invited the Lord into his life. Just remember what he was like. He was persecuting the Christians. Now, what did that look like in Saul's lives? Well, he did a complete 180 degree turn and began to live every moment of his life for Jesus. And we can learn a lot from Saul. After all, he was just a man. And it was God's work in his life that made him look like a hero. And he'd be the first to say that it was all of God. And Saul's life, especially his early Christian life, shows us how we can keep on growing. Everyone who receives Jesus Christ as their saviour needs to keep on growing in Christ. What does a growing Christian look like? Well, I've just got three characteristics, really, of growing in Christ. The first one is growing Christians always seek to know who Jesus is. Verse 20 there in chapter 9. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. He immediately began to proclaim this. And he was only able to do this after a personal encounter with Jesus, followed by a time spent in his presence. See, Saul got to know Jesus better. He was able to boldly tell others why they should put their trust in him. It's interesting to know that Saul's knowledge of Christ wasn't limited to his encounter on the road to Damascus. But Saul apparently talked to the Lord every day after that. Just read some of the letters when he wrote them as Paul. See what he says about prayer. He tells several individuals and churches that he's praying for them. He talked about praying without ceasing. Saul's goal was to stay close to Jesus. Stay as close as he possibly could. And that was the only way... He could really get to know him better. And we read in Philippians, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And Paul wrote these, or Saul wrote these, when he was an elderly man near the end of his life here on earth. He still wanted to grow and want to know Christ better. Well, are we getting to know who Jesus is? 
And I know we will use the words, we know Jesus. But if we say that, it sounds perhaps as if we know everything about him. But the words getting to know him, growing in him, well, that's fulfilling the purpose a bit better. Another characteristic is a growing Christian embraces growth. Verse 22, yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by, sorry, baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. All the training that Saul had received under Gamaliel and others was part of God's plan to shape him into the person he became. And God has been preparing you and I for this moment in the life of this church on your Christian journey. We read in verse 23, after many days had gone by. Well, several Bible scholars believe that this phrase, many days, is a span of about three years, actually, which Saul spent in Arabia and in Damascus. Some believe that Saul was in seclusion for that time, sorting out his past mistakes, but Others do not, and it's probably unlikely that Saul didn't go out speaking to the Arab people, telling them that Jesus was the Messiah. So whether Saul needed those three years for solitude and communion with the Lord, or whether he went about ministering to those in Arabia, we know that he was growing and becoming who God wanted him to be. Saul embraced the growing process and began to use the passion and the gifts that God had given him began to preach the gospel right away. He knew what God's will for his life was. No longer was he resisting God and his will. Well, again, how about you and I? Are we growing? Are we cooperating with what we believe is God's will for our lives? Are we using and developing the gifts God's given us? All of us have a gift that nobody else in the fellowship has got. Every one of us has a gift that nobody else has got. And they've got gifts that you haven't got. And therefore, to make the church work, we all need to offer our gifts and be united together. I think at this point uh, I should just really let you know that, well, it's not easy for any of us. It's easy to talk, it's easy to say what we're going to do in church, but sometimes it's a bit of a struggle. You know, I, I think at this point I ought to say that, well, this year I decided to read through the Bible in a year. Carol and I know a number of others read through the Bible every year in different ways, different books. Carol's been doing it for, for a number of years. And this year she gave me a one-year Bible for me to do the same. Well, here we are in the third week of January, and I'm already two weeks behind. <laughs> I can make all sorts of excuses. I have had a lot of sermons and that to prepare and devotions at meetings, but... They could be excuses. One of the reasons is I'm not a very good reader. I'm, my 
span of concentration when I'm reading is very short. I start thinking about hammer and nails and swords and those sorts of things. I won't try and catch up. My Bible through the year might be Bible through the two or three years. I just hope and pray that I complete it before the Lord's return. Well, a growing Christian is always seeking to know who Jesus is. A growing Christian embraces the growing process. And also, in growing in Christ, it can bring conflict. And we need to learn how to handle that if we're going to continue to grow. And there are at least three occasions in our Acts reading during which Saul had to face opposition from people. Verse 23 to 25, the Jews in Damascus tried to kill him. After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. So that was the Jews who tried to kill him. And then the Christians in Jerusalem initially rejected Saul out of fear. Verse 26. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. You see, so the conflict can come from outside of the church or even inside of the church. When he came, the Christians in Jerusalem rejected him. And then thirdly, the Grecian Jews in Jerusalem tried to kill Saul in verse 29. He talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. Well, we, never may, we may never face intense hatred or fearful rejection like Saul faced. But we'll probably have to endure some form of opposition as we grow stronger. Satan will be sure of that. The most common reaction is perhaps to take offence, perhaps arguing, perhaps even getting a bit aggressive as you try and put your point over to people, feeling hostile towards individuals. You see, we can get so frustrated. A story of one of the most frustrating conversations is reported in Theatre Arts magazine. A subscriber wishing to report on a particular up-and-coming event in his community, which he was excited about, dialed directory inquiries to get the magazine's telephone number. He asked the operator for theatre arts. And she drawled, Sorry, but there's nobody listed by the name Theodore Arts here. <laughs> the subscriber insisted... It's not a person, it's a publication. I want theatre arts. The operator responded, this time a little louder, I told you we have no listing for Theodore Arts in this city or anywhere else around here. Well, by now, the subscriber was getting a bit more worked up, thoroughly peeved, confounded, he said. The word is theatre, T-H-E-A-T-R-E. And the operator came back with equal certainty in her voice. That is not the way to spell Theodore, sir. <laughs> See, arguing can be a waste of time. We need to discuss and debate so that everybody around the table, whether it's just one-to-one -one or a group, everybody understands what's being said. Yes, as growing Christians, we need to find a better way to respond 
whatever form that may take. In Matthew 5, 44, Jesus said, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute them. In Hebrews we read, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So don't let ongoing conflict, perhaps we think of conflict as a, as a big thing, but it can just be those frustrations, like that person was frustrated trying to get that phone number. Well, finally, a growing Christian learns to rely on fellow believers. We can't do it on our own. Verses 25 to 30 in that Acts reading. Saul had rejected his teacher's counsel when Gamaliel had warned the Sanhedrin to leave the Christians alone. But now we see a different man. Rather than acting on his own, he received the help of other godly men during the three difficult situations we've just mentioned. When the Jews in Damascus tried to kill, kill him, Christian friends helped. We read he follow, the followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through the opening in the wall. When the Christians in Jerusalem rejected Saul, we read, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had, been, had seen the Lord. And when the Grecian Jews tried to kill Saul, the other apostles stepped in. Verse 30. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. I think we sometimes see Saul or Paul as a very independent person. But if you look more closely, you'll see that he needed those round about him. He needed believers to minister to him. Yes, he filtered the counsel he received through the Holy Spirit. But he also recognised that God does speak through other people and using them to touch our lives when we really need it. We do need other believers around us. So are you still growing in Christ or are you stagnating? Are you still seeking how to know Jesus more? Have you embraced the growing process? Are you staying in your comfort zone and stagnating? Do you seek out close friendships with other Christians whom you can trust and rely on for prayer, support, encouragement and counsel? And I ask myself those same questions. Well, we need to have other Christians around us and I encourage you to be here on Thursday evening for our prayer meeting at 8 o'clock as we seek to stoke up the engine room, the power of the life of the church as we pray together. And this week being January, we're just looking forward again to the year ahead using some similar information that we used on New Year's Day when those who came into the church to pray uh, had a, a leaflet given them. An opportunity for us to get together and pray. It's in the lounge, but if we overflow the lounge, well, I'll make sure the heating's on in here and we can come in here. Well, let's go right back to where we started, to Peter. 2 Peter 1.5. You see, Peter encourages his hearers to make every effort 
to add to your faith. And then he lists a number of things with which we should, or they should supplement their faith, and we should supplement our faith. I just want to read through them slowly, and I want you just to think on each one, almost in a meditative attitude. So he says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. He goes on to say, for if you possess these qualities increasing in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody said, and I can't remember who it was now, that faith is a verb, not a noun. Faith is an active word, it's a doing word. And we need to be about that in our growing process in Christ. Faith must be more than belief in certain facts. It must result in action. Then we will grow. You see, and if we all grow just a little bit in Christ, then together we'll see a great result in the life of the church. So just think what will happen. If we grow even more as individuals, the results will be unbelievable. And the people of Linfield will say, what's going on in that URC church in the high street? What special is taking place there? Well, it, well they will only say that if you and I grow together and are alive. Otherwise, they'll pass the door and say, there's nothing going on there. It stagnates. Remember what I said about stagnation. A stagnating stream has a nasty smell. So don't leave the growing process to somebody else. See, we all have a responsibility to work at it through this year of discipling. Let us, each one of us, be alive in 2014.